welcome back to FanFit's House, a member of the Real Fans Network. I'm Emma. And I'm Gabby. And we have a very exciting guest today, which is Miss Sasha Sloan, who is the CEO of Archive Sunday, creator of Noble House of Black, and also Miss Utah. Yeah. You guys are so nice. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited, and I think we're going to have a good little chat. Yes, I'm mm-hmm. so excited. We're very excited. So what we're going to be doing today is we're going to be just having a little conversation with Sasha. We're going to talk about some fandom stuff. We're going to talk about her time as Miss Utah, as well as a little bit of stuff about her company, Archive Sunday. And what I'm sure most of you are waiting to listen to or hear about is her inspiration for the Noble House of Black series and how all of that started and all of the behind the scenes about that. So Emma, would you like to take it away with our first little bit? Yeah, so um, what is your favorite fandom or what is your main fandom? My main fandom is probably the Harry Potter fandom. I would say that's the only one that I can really say I've been in the trenches. You know, like when I was like 13, I was really into Harry Potter fan fiction. But my original, like the first book I ever got into was Artemis Fowl when I was 12. That was what sucked me into reading. Okay, for sure. Yeah. I like I feel like a lot of people's like introduction was like either Harry Potter or like Hunger Games or like some of those other like really popular ones. Or so like it's like Percy really Jackson. nice. To, yeah, Percy Jackson. Yeah. It's really nice to like hear that it was something else, you know? <laughs> yeah. Totally. I I saw this TikTok the other day that was talking about how so many adults say that they don't like to read. But what the TikTok was saying was that they were like, no, it's just that when you were a kid, the books that you loved to read were like middle grade books, like Percy Jackson or the early Harry Potters. And they were like, you just need to go read books like that again to like make yourself fall in love with it. Because definitely what brought me into reading. For sure. Absolutely. So very important question here is what is your Hogwarts house? This is a big secret. I'm kidding. It's not a secret. Slytherin <laughs> is my Hogwarts house. That's oh, Gabby's yes. house. I'm a Hufflepuff. Really? My sister. Yes. yes. Hey, actually, this is some piping hot tea. When I was like 14 or whatever, and I took the Pottermore test, yeah. the Pottermore test told me I was a Hufflepuff. Ooh. Wow. So I, I think I'm like, the. I feel like Gen Z loves to give themselves like hybrid houses. So yeah. if I hybrid house it would be Slytherin Hufflepuff okay but but my trauma has made me a Slytherin that's what I like (laughs) I feel that one no I feel like okay I feel like when it comes to the houses everybody's like oh they're so divided and blah blah it's like no like everybody has a little bit of everything and it's like it's it's a spectrum it's a rainbow of things it's not like you're one or the other you know and it's so unrealistic because it's the stereotype that Slytherin's evil but I'm like, that is so unrealistic that 25% of the population is just evil to their core. No. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So. We have so exactly. many good Slytherins in the books, like Andromeda with the House of Black, mm-hmm. um, you know, Regulus and everyone. Like, there are good Slytherins. Narcissa, even. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. One of my favorite quotes from, from the podcast is I literally was like, oh, Slytherins aren't mean. We just need love. Like... Yes, yes. Honestly, like speaking of Noble House of Black, like I was just thinking about this today because I'm like writing Noble House of Black stuff in the background. Mm -hmm. And I was like, in my view, Slytherin is like the house of broken people. 
you know what I mean? Because I feel like yes. if you see like a prison, like actual criminals, like actual people that turn evil and bad in life, yeah. it's because of their trauma, right? It's because yeah. of bad things that happened to them, which is what I think J.K. Rowling is kind of trying to do with Snape's character is show like, hey, look at this difficult childhood. Like that's why he's such a like bitter, you know, crusty yeah. old man, you know, but it's just interesting. Oh, totally. Yeah. I completely agree with you because it's like you're not just like born inherently evil that like just doesn't happen no and i'm like if anyone's ever mean you know that that's just them reflecting whatever bad thing has happened to them in their life because kids are not inherently mean you know if you yeah. meet kids yeah. people don't come that way no they don't so yes okay so who is your favorite disney princess Ooh, i was stumped on this question okay and when you guys sent <laughs> I thought long and hard, mm -hmm. and I decided Belle. I have to go with the my original. favorite. <laughs> yeah. She's like the patron saint for girls who love to read. It's just, you know, a thing. Yeah. And so I got to go with Belle. I feel like okay. it's cliche, but it is what oh, it is. No. Cliche at all. I think, I feel like everybody's like, oh, I know my favorite princess is cliche. It's like, well, that's all of them. Yeah. <laughs> like, everybody says that. It's like, well, no. Yeah. It's a... Yeah. Um, Mine's Rapunzel. I think that's, I think she's the best. Yeah. <laughs> she's my fave. I saw, oh my gosh, somebody sent me a TikTok. I think it was Emma actually sent me a TikTok. Um, it was probably Emma. And it was of this girl who was a cosplayer at a con and she was wearing like Mandalorian armor from Star Wars, but it was like Rapunzel. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. And she had yeah, like Pascal, but it was Baby Yoda Pascal. Oh my gosh. I was like dying. It was so good. I also good. saw that with, Anna and Elsa and Snow White. Like somebody oh, yeah. Oh yeah. my gosh, they're so cute. It's so People cool. Just there so was like a whole Mandalorian Disney princess photo shoot. And like they even included like mm -hmm. um like Peter Pan and Tinkerbell. And it was just the coolest thing. That's mm -hmm. amazing. People are so talented. Yeah, they really are. Stuff like for Fan X in Salt Lake today. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking about like, do I want to do like a cosplay? And I'm like, these people are so good. Like I got a step in my game. I feel that every single time I go to Comic-Con, I'm down in San Diego. So I'm like, Comic-Con is like my jam. Yeah. yeah. So, so cool. Ben, that's like a dream of mine to go. I honestly okay. have never been to a convention and I'm from the Orlando, Florida area. So like <laughs> we have so many come to us. Oh my gosh. I have my I first one coming up in May. I'm so excited. I feel like Orlando is such an underrated hub for nerds, you know? Because totally. I have a Disney college program and you're just surrounded by Disney adults, Harry Potter adults, mm -hmm. yes. adults, the best kind of adults, you know? Yes. Yeah, there's so many, like, so many people. And there's so much stuff to do and it caters to everybody, you know? Like if you're into Harry Potter, you can go to Orlando. If you're into Disney, go to Orlando. <laughs> if you like Star Wars, like Marvel, well, not Marvel yet. <laughs> not Marvel. It's like a little splash of Marvel, a little spritz. Yeah. I feel like in in Universal, you have like the Walmart brand, like superheroes, <laughs> yes. you know? Yes. I hate to say it. It's like the random superheroes. It's like, hey, where's like Captain America? Where's Thor? Like, yeah. <laughs> then you know yes <laughs> okay so speaking of like nerdy stuff and like all that so okay another really important question are you a sith or are you a jedi i would say i draw from both sides of the force okay. i've really been trying to like get into my like dark feminine energy you know mm -hmm. 
yeah. be very balanced, I would say. Probably a little both, but I am known for my love of Kylo Ren. And so I can say like- <laughs> That's if why I, I threw that question in there. Yes, if I was in Ray's position and it was Kylo Ren being like, hey, Sosh, do you want to rule the galaxy? I'm not going to say no. I'm going to be I mean, honest. So yeah. that makes me yeah. sad. I feel that. I don't think it makes you a Sith. I mean, I'd probably do the same thing if it were Anakin. I mean, like, I'm a hardcore Hayden Christensen Sith, so, like, yeah. Yes. Yeah. And this is, like, everyone's original childhood crush, I feel like. Right? Yeah. The best. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Amazing. So, heroes or villains? <laughs> um, I like a well-written anti-hero. So, yeah. like, to me, the greatest written character of all time is Zuko in Avatar The Last Yes, Avatar. I love Zuko. If you, yeah, if you know, you know. Like, yes. Zuko, to me, I don't know what he is, if he's a hero or a villain, but he is, like, the best to me. I, I, I agree with the anti-hero statement, because he definitely turns good at the end of the show, but he definitely starts out as a villain. Yeah, definitely. But he gets redeemed, and I think yeah. Zuko like a good redemption arc fully formed yeah. you know what i mean so i love him okay that, yeah okay <laughs> i feel that like i here's the thing when it's like just only good all the time it's like it's boring right and then if it's yeah. like only bad all the time you're like well i don't want to be associated with that guy because they're or, or gal or whoever they're they're you know they're a villain i don't want to be with them so it's yeah. like somewhere in the middle like gabby's favorite marvel character is bucky barnes mm -hmm. the winter soldier hardcore which so kind of fits in with zuko where yes. when we're introduced to him he's kind of, well when we're introduced to him as the winter soldier he's kind of this villain and then he yeah. becomes good kind of Speaking of which, have you guys seen the new Sebastian Stan movie on Hulu? Like the horror movie? No, I, I have haven't not. seen the movie, but I'm halfway through Pam and Tommy. I wanted <gasps> to finish that first. Okay. Okay, you need to finish Pam and Tommy because okay. that's so good. But I just watched the new movie. It's called Fresh. Okay, and that's what I, it is. I started watching it with my boyfriend and we quit the first night because it was too oh. like horror. Like it was too hard to watch. But like, I kept seeing on TikTok that people just like loved it and were hyping it up so much. So I was like, okay, it must like turn around. So I went and watched the second half of it and I was like, oh, this is so good. So okay. it, it's like, it's really deeply scary. Like if scary is your thing, but I thought mm -hmm. it was so good. Yeah. Okay, that sounds like something my boyfriend and I would have to watch together. I'd like never be able to watch it by myself. <laughs> yeah, no, it was very scary, but it was yeah. more like sickening. Like, do you guys know like the human centipede? You know how like yes, the yeah. premise of the human centipede just makes you go like, ooh, like it makes yeah. you feel sick. It was like that. That's okay. what watching it was like. So yeah, it was ooh. weird. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> kind ooh, of like um kind of like the like in the Silence of the Lambs when he's like sewing sewing the skin suit together. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's was, I just barely watched that movie for the first time like two months ago. So wow, wow that was scary. I didn't think it's that scary. I think I get easily scared. I think I am I kind too. of a sensitive baby. <laughs> I mean, one of my like all-time favorite movies is The Shining, so I don't know. <laughs> I actually don't think I've ever seen that all the way through. He made me watch it for the show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so back to the topic of like Sebastian Stan and Avengers and all of them. Do you have a favorite Avenger? 
I feel like for the girls, I gotta say Black Widow. You know what I mean? I love so her. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with her final answer. I dated a guy in college who everyone said that he looked like Steve Rogers. And so Captain America used to be my favorite Avenger. And now I'm like, he's no longer my favorite Avenger. Thank Makes you sense. very much. He's put on a shelf. So I would say my favorite guy Avenger, other than my girl, Black Widow, Black Panther. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Paula is like a respectful king. You know he would treat you right. Oh, I yeah. just love him. I love him so much. And that is my favorite Marvel film, like okay. by far. Like, I love this soundtrack. Like, I listen to Ancestral Plane on the treadmill all the time. Anyway, I love, love, love Black Panther. But anyway, that was a tangent. I keep getting so off topic. It's okay. It's okay. Totally we do it all the time. Yeah. That's like literally the whole podcast is just like getting off topic and then finding a way to come back. <laughs> That's like my life. Yeah. So are there it's any other fun facts you'd like to say? Oh, I'm not that fun. I'm trying to think. Any other fun facts? I was born at the stroke of midnight. That's my funnest. Oh, that's cool. That's like a very interesting fact. Yeah. Right, and then when I worked at Disney, I can't tell you what I did, but my favorite princess randomly happens to be Cinderella, which is kind of a funny coincidence. You know, it's like midnight, it's a whole thing. So yeah. I think it's a little foreshadowing. Mm -hmm. Okay, and so then the last one for this like first little bit is like, what has your fandom journey been like? Like, what is your fandom journey? What got you started? What are like the little stops you made along the way? We're just curious. Yeah, so I'm actually glad that you asked because um, I would say my fandom journey definitely started when I was a kid. So when I was in like second grade honestly all the way up through elementary school I just really struggled making friends like could not make friends to save my life and just felt so awkward and shy and so I would sit alone on the bus every day reading like to and from school you know so like anytime that you have to socialize with other kids I would just read like and so on the bus like in classrooms at lunch and then on like during recess I would just sneak out paperback books like in the sleeves of my sweaters and just read during recess because yeah. I had no friends um I'm really cool obviously and so we are too. <laughs> kind of me like growing up as a kid and then same thing in junior high school and actually this is kind of a funny random thing but when I was in like sixth or seventh grade I did this like extracurricular activity for nerdy kids called future problem solving I remember that. I did something similar to that. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So it's called future problem solving. It's like kind of like an essay contest about the mm -hmm. future and technology and I don't know. And you do like a, a local thing and then a state thing. And my team in like sixth grade, like won the state competition and went to the international competition. And we got to the international thing had all these, it was like this huge conference in like Michigan, which was a big deal when I was like a little kid, like in elementary school. Of course. And we got there and we realized like we were getting smoked on the actual competition, but there was this other thing that was like a like skit that you put on. And it was like a big deal to win the skit competition. That was like half of the thing. And we were like, oh my gosh, we could totally win that. And my idea was like, we should do a Harry Potter themed skit. 
And so I had this like random thing when I was in sixth grade and we did a Harry Potter themed skit and we won. Like our little team from Utah, like middle of nowhere, won the international competition with like thousands of kids all over the world. That's awesome. Our little Harry Potter skit, like so weird, like random foreshadowing. <laughs> That's so cool. Right? Yeah. Like that gives you like a good screenshot of like who I was in sixth grade. And I was definitely in the trenches with um, Artemis Fowl fan fiction. Like I first, when I was like in elementary school, I wrote my first little fan fiction book. And then I was into Twilight fan fiction. Okay. That's when I discovered like spicy fan fiction. And like, ooh, me as a 13 year old reading some spicy Twilight fan fiction, that was the time, you know? Yeah. And then I kind of stayed in the Harry Potter pipeline, kind of always a little bit of Germany in there. But then when my family, um, when I was like 14, 15, we moved to a different uh, like city in Utah. And it was this really interesting year where when we moved, I literally decided in my mind, like age 14, 15, like, I'm not going to be nerdy anymore. Like, I'm just going to stop. Like, and I'm just going to be cool and just stop, like, doing this. You know, because up to this point, I just always been kind of the loser. And I, I just, everyone knew I was so geeky. I was so intense about school. Like, you know, I just kind of am an intense person. And, and you know, anyway, so I just decided that year, like, I'm just going to observe everybody else and I'm gonna act exactly like everybody else and I'm gonna be popular. And that's totally what I did in ninth grade. And I kind of just like stalked everybody on Instagram, you know, that first year. And it was kind of interesting because it was like a socioeconomic shift too. Like my family business started when I was a kid and it kind of became successful over the course of my life. And so we moved into this more like affluent neighborhood and all of my like neighbors were like wearing Lululemon pants and like had hair extensions and like it was just like a completely different world than what yeah. I had grown up in. Oh, totally. You know, and that was this same year was the time that I found the um, Miss Utah organization. And so I got it into like the, you know, the pageant world at, at that time, that's what it was. And, um, and kind of, you know, all of those things mixed together, high school, junior high school, I just completely stopped doing fandom, kind of anything really. And, and the really sad thing was that when I was like 12, 13, and I started writing fan fiction, I also started writing like my own novels because I wanted to be an author when I grew up, you know, mm -hmm. I'm from Utah and um, we have, uh, Stephanie Meyer is from Utah. So that was a huge mm -hmm. inspiration for me and then Brandon Sanderson is another huge fantasy author and he actually teaches at BYU and when I was in elementary school my sister would drive me down to audit his fantasy writing classes like when I was <laughs> so cute I was like so intense about wanting yeah. to be an author but mm -hmm. anyway when I moved in like ninth grade I kind of just stopped you know and I kind of just gave up on it and I always thought like you know, I, I started doing like query letters and stuff and trying to get published like when I was a teenager and just got so discouraged because people were always like, oh, like if you want to be an author, you have to have like a million followers or you have to, you know, have connections to an agency or whatever. And so it just didn't feel like it was possible for me. And in high school and kind of into college, I think I just 
I tried on a lot of different personalities trying to figure out who I was, which is life, you know, and that's yeah. part of growing up. Um, and then I went and worked at Disney in 2016. And that's where I think I really kind of got permission to explore my fandom side yeah. like, a lot more, mm -hmm. you know? And so I started an Etsy shop when I was working at Disney doing some graphic design, like just for fun, selling like little pictures and stuff on Etsy and kind of dug more into that's when I that's when the Kylo Ren movies came out so that was like life-changing for me yeah and of course. you know like that was crazy and then um and then obviously when the COVID-19 pandemic hit I think that's when a lot of people kind of got just baptized back into their nerd phase um and that oh, was totally me, so yeah that's actually what I, I started that was a really long description but yeah. no no it's good like Cause it's like, I feel like I know you now. I'm like, oh my gosh, I yeah. know everything about her. Like we're besties now. <laughs> Good. <laughs> no, but like, I totally kind of get how you feel. Cause I feel like a lot of people in high school, when they're starting high school, it's that whole thing of like, oh, I can't be a nerd anymore. I have to be a cool kid now. Yeah. You know? And mm -hmm. like, that was definitely something that I totally struggled with. I was oh, like, same. oh, I want to be a part of the cool kids. And the weird thing was though, at my high school, the cool kids were like the theater kids yeah yeah Same. I had it backwards I had a backwards school but it was because uh we were like the art school in our district and uh, so all of the I art kids not. went to our school <laughs> but my prom king and queen were both theater kids my senior year really yeah mm -hmm. I never had the traditional like I feel like watching like movies growing up like mean girls and all that it's always the like popular kids or like the football and cheerleader uh-huh but no, it was the theater and the dance kids or the band kids. Wow. Yeah, I was I was in and out of theater during high school because my older sister, Summer, who plays Andromeda in the Noble House mm -hmm. of Black. So out of the two of us, Summer is the performer. Like she had a really successful professional career as a child actor. And then like, is just a, like, she's like a prodigy and at like musical theater <laughs> and dance and everything. And she did MDT in college and stuff. But anyway, so I was totally in her shadow in high school and like, did not want to like be doing plays at the same time. And I actually had this like really traumatic thing my sophomore year where we did the little mermaid at my high school and they called back seven girls for Ariel, which included me, my sister, Summer and my cousin, Lorenza. And we all lived together at the time. So it was like the three of us under one roof, all called back for Ariel. And they cast five Ariels, everybody except for me and Lorenza. Like everybody. They cast five Ariels. Oh my gosh. Insane. Yeah. So five Ariels. With five Ariels. Like, whoa. <laughs> what? It was, it was so strange. That yeah. is so bizarre. That reminds there is this one, like, like summer theater thing that I did we had like a similar situation there was like seven aerials seven girls were aerial everybody got two lines I had to share one line with a girl because they highlighted the wrong line in her script she got three and I had one by myself and I was so <laughs> salty about it <laughs> that's amazing yeah I did costumes a lot in high school and the only time my high school double cast role was Morticia when we did Adam's Family and one girl was like this super tall, like who you'd imagine playing Morticia. And then the other one was like kind of average height and was like maybe an inch on our um, Gomez. 
And our moment oh, no. like 5'3". He's just like, I'm on my tiptoes. Yeah. <laughs> Wearing giant heels. <laughs> yes, for sure. <laughs> yeah. But so. anyway, I'm really glad you brought up your time as Miss Utah and like finding it because that's our next little like little snippet we wanted to talk to you about. And Emma, you can go ahead and ask the first so question. So what inspired you to compete in Miss Utah? Yeah, so I was inspired by my family friend, Ellie Smith, who competed okay. in Miss Nevada's Outstanding Team. And I had met Ellie because she was double cast with my sister Summer in the Secret Garden at the Utah Shakespearean Festival. So like, love during, yeah, lo love it. And in fact, Secret Garden, like super inspired Noble House of Black. I don't know if you guys have picked up on that, but a lot of, yeah. lot of similarities. There were um, a few little things. I was like, oh. <laughs> a couple little things. Uh, but anyway, that was a tangent. Wait, what was I saying? How you got to start with Miss oh, Utah? Okay. What inspired yes. you? Oh my gosh, I'm like, squirrel. Okay. Me I'm too, <laughs> me too. <laughs> I was inspired by my family friend, met her through theater, totally was like, oh my gosh, if Ellie could do this, I could do this. Cause I look up to Ellie a lot and she's super smart. And that was what I thought was really cool. But um, to be honest, my experience in the teen program, like I was 100% there because I wanted validation. Like I wanted someone to put a crown on my head and tell me that I was pretty, you know? Mm -hmm. Because what insecure 14 year old girl doesn't want that? You know what I mean? Totally. Um, but, but that was kind of what drew me to the program. You know, I was just looking for something to kind of be my own thing. And the Miss Utah that was serving that year, her name was Sarah Pekarsik. And her social impact initiative that she promoted as Miss Utah was um, education that prevents child sexual abuse. And during her time as Miss Utah, she actually was part of the movement to pass legislation in Utah, protecting the right to educate kids about sexual abuse and really did a lot of super impactful things. And like, for me, observing Sierra, I was like, that is what I wanna be when I grow up, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so that's kind of what planted the dream of, you know, I want to be, you know, Miss Utah someday. I know I want to be like Sierra. And it kind of was every year after that, I would follow whoever was Miss Utah. And there, you know, there, there was a whole yeah. succession of incredible women. Um, but I just looked up at them so much and just wanted to achieve that someday. That's awesome. Yeah. I really liked what you said about like what 14 year old, like insecure doesn't want validation because I kind of went through a similar thing too. Sorry, not to make it about me, but I'm just going to say it. <laughs> oh, you're not. No. Um, but um, I kind of went through a similar thing where like I was really obsessed with that show, Toddlers and Tiaras. And I was like, I'm going to do that. <laughs> really? Yeah. So I went to like one or two little like local things. And at the end of it, I was like, wow, this sucks. I couldn't because it was like it was like the same kind of like super glitzy glamour the girls with like the caked on makeup and the oh, hair yeah. that's like a, a wig you know yeah those pictures that you see of those teen of those girls who are six years old who look like they're a Barbie doll yeah where you're like oh my gosh yeah I feel like what I love about Miss America and like what kind of like lit the little fire in me when I was younger is that mm -hmm. Miss America represents this woman who is outstanding in all aspects of her life. Mm -hmm. You know, like 
I feel like there are scholarships for being the smartest person. There are scholarships for being the best public speaker or for being the best piano player or the best at community service or whatever it is. Yeah. But Miss America takes like all of that and combines it together. And then what I love is Miss America teaches women to capitalize on all of the invisible labor that we do to live up to professional beauty standards and like professional standards of grooming for women because it's totally expected. Like if you're a woman and you're gonna go walk into like corporate America, you need to know how to dress well and present yourself well and walk and speak and like have a professional appearance. And women are just kind of expected to like learn all of this stuff without any education or training or help or resources. And like what Miss America does is it's like this networking community where you know, I've had now probably 25 women mentor me and help me and assist me, like, become this best version of myself. Wow. So cool how it works. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that was, like, one of the hardest things, at least for me. Like, I, just this year, I started working in, like, an office versus working in retail, which is, like, very, very different, you know? Yeah. And so that's so great that they actually give women resources to like, where do you learn this stuff? I'm so grateful for my mother because she's worked in corporate America for 30 years. Yeah. So without her, I'd be lost, you know? But there are so many, so many women who don't have that and do want, like, that's their dream, right? Their dream is to be the CEO of a company, like, you know? Mm -hmm. And there are so many people who don't know how to, how to tackle just even getting into it like mm-hmm. what it really takes, you know? So I, it, that's really, really awesome that they give you guys that like, mm-hmm. and other women that like amazing yeah. resource, like group of resources. And I think the other thing that it does that's cool is it teaches women to take up space because, yeah. you know, girls are conditioned in classrooms. Like we talk about this all the time in my political science program at BYU that mm-hmm. women, like ask questions in class less often they challenge others opinions less often they talk in meetings less often like we're just conditioned to not speak up and everything about miss america is like literally it's adult men and women sitting behind a table and it's the young girl speaking and it's you know training the girl to feel confident talking openly about herself and bragging about herself like like you need to in a job interview you know in front of a panel of people and and getting on stage and being able to articulate your political opinions you know because yeah as a a girl in political science like when you're 23 or 24 no one cares what your opinion is unless (laughs) you're in this weird sphere of miss utah miss america and suddenly you can be on national television talking about political issues and people like care what you have to say yeah interesting and they actually listen which is like because like some people will just be like oh yeah 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 and like say that they're listening to you but they're not actually listening yeah yeah it's it's a it's a really unique and powerful thing that like every year they give a new girl an opportunity to actually have a voice in the community you know and have hundreds of thousands of people and it's not an enormous community you know it's small it's several thousand people but like they do follow Miss Utah very closely. She is able to impact a lot of people. And like every word that you say and every interaction that you have during your year affects the program, affects others, affects the community at large. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So while we're talking about this, is there like 
Like, I feel like this is such a great segue because my next question is what was the favorite, like your most favorite thing that you've done as Miss Utah? Mm. Probably one of my favorite like mornings or experiences was um, my friend Sharuk uh, just got her citizenship. And so she had her like citizenship ceremony and I actually didn't get to go because of COVID. Like no one got to go inside, but I got to go hang out with her and her family afterwards and go like photograph her and her parents. And that was, I think, a really cool day because a little bit of background. Um, Sharuk is um, from um, Iraq originally. She came to Utah as a refugee when she was a teenager. And she went to Olympus High School. And Sharuk and I had really similar experiences dealing with really heavy mental health challenges in high school. And um, since like graduating high school, she's gotten really involved with refugee advocacy. And I reached out to a group that she works with called Their Stories, Our Story. And we teamed up together this year and she's like basically done all of my Miss Utah, like social impact work with me this year as like wow. my colleague. Um, and so That's it's awesome. been this, like really unique, interesting, different relationship. And it's been so great because like usually the Miss Utah year is described as being a very lonely year. You know, like when I've talked to mm -hmm. other Miss Utahs, they've said like, it can be tough when you're traveling around the state all the time and speaking all the time and like being really vulnerable and kind of ripping your heart open and talking openly about yourself all the time. It can be draining and it can be isolating. And I feel like I've been so lucky because since I've had Sharuk, and she's speaking with me and like opening up her heart with me. It's, I think, really buoyed me up through yeah. what's a challenging year. Cause like it takes a toll on you, like going and speaking about like suicide and mental health and stuff. And so, yeah, it's been, it's been sure. really, really cool to have her with me. Oh, good. That's like, oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. That's so uh, nice to hear. Cause, oh. sorry, go ahead. Oh, it's no problem. You can go ahead, Gabby. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, Cause like, you know, I feel like a lot of people when they go out and do like public speaking and like even just like doing things like this, right? Like if I didn't have Emma to do this podcast, I would have never done it by myself because it's like no. doing that kind of thing is so sad, like lonely and isolating. And so it's nice to hear that like there are people yeah. out there who are willing to help other people with this kind of stuff. And that you guys are like besties. Like Emma and I are besties. Emma's my best friend. Yeah, same. And <laughs> we met what? last year right yeah. around this time we met on TikTok, a year ago like through the star wars community on tiktok mm -hmm. we became best friends and we both mentioned how we both wanted to start a podcast together and yeah, that's how like, fan Patels was born this is episode 42 we're almost at like a full year mm -hmm. 10 more and then we're at a full year oh yeah. my god that's amazing congratulations thank you just kidding eight more because we skipped Three, no, did we skip three or two, two for the for two weeks for Christmas and New Year's? Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's nice. I, I love getting to do something with my best friend. Yeah. So, but the funny thing is that like I find myself during the week, I'm like, oh, I got to text this to Emma. And then I'm like, no, save it for the podcast. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I cannot t tell her about any, like, because we do like fandom news at the end of the show. I'm like, I cannot talk to her about my opinion on any of this until we record that section. Yeah. Yes. Or like, if we're like doing movies or stuff, I'll be like, oh my gosh. And then I'm like, oh, I can't text her. Yeah. Write it in the notes. She'll read it later. <laughs> so I, I love 
My like best friend, she lives in a different state and um, she was my roommate with me at Disney. And we are both so busy with work, I feel like we do not get to talk very often, but whenever we do, it's like, we have to go topic by topic. Like, okay, Taylor Swift, let's check in. Yeah. How are we feeling about the Swifty fandom? And then we'll like go like point by point. Yeah. Oh my gosh, yes. That's kind of our show, because we like have like a, oh, we're gonna do Harry Potter this week. Like next week we're doing Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, just in time for the new movie to come out. Um, and then what, the next week is Marvel? Uh-huh. I think so. I don't know. <laughs> All good things. All good things. Yeah. Yes. But yeah. Um, so what okay. was your experience like at Miss America? Oh, I loved my Miss America experience. Um, 100% because of the girls that I was there. The women, I should say. I think of myself as a girl. But um, it was just so cool. And I didn't really understand why Miss America is cool until I get until I got there, because people always will say like, oh, the friendships are so amazing. And to be honest, I've always kind of been like, are they really? Are you sure? Yeah. You know, are you sure people aren't really mean behind the scenes? And and to be like 100 percent truthful, that's kind of what I expected or like braced for going into it. Yeah. But I found that it was the opposite was true because I feel like the other title holders, like the type of women that would like go for Miss Utah or Miss California or Miss New York, it's usually other women that I feel like are like me where they are super driven, like willing to do whatever it takes to advance their career and they want to make a difference in the world. They want to have a big life. They want to have a platform. They want to be famous. They want to perform like you know, women with a lot of passion and really big dreams. And I feel like sometimes it can be like really isolating to be that kind of a person, you know, and Mm -hmm. you can probably relate because you guys like love fandom and like how many people are actually passionate about something enough to want to make a podcast about it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like many. Um, And so I think Miss America was cool because I think all of us were sort of like, realizing that the rest of us had maybe all felt a little lonely and a little isolated. And then you kind of have this fun opportunity to just like bond and just like support each other. And so it was, it was really, really cool. Like I could not have asked for a better experience. And I mean, when we started this show, it was again, like last year, I Mm -hmm. took a, I was um, at home in Orlando. I go to school in Tallahassee. So I'm right up here in the Capitol. Um, and I was gone from all of my friends and was like kind of lonely. And we started this podcast and it was like, okay, I have like a friend to talk to every week at a certain time to talk nerdy things with. Yeah. I lo- And it makes such a difference. Like it's crazy how like one person like really can like make yeah. the whole difference in your day or your week. Oh, totally. Okay. Let's see. Okay. So then... This is the last little bit about the Miss America scholarship program. Um, but I was going to ask, um, what has been your favorite overall experience in working with Miss America? I had um, an experience like before I went to Miss America back on September 11th, actually. I was up speaking at an event in Weber. And mm-hmm. um, my social impact initiative for Miss Utah is Refugees Welcome. And so I go and speak to school groups just 
in like really broad, compassionate terms about like, hey, if you have someone who's new to your classroom, like think about how hard it would be to have to leave your home behind and like, you know, let's be friendly to newcomers, yeah. you know. So I, I teach them about like immigration and stuff on a really easy to understand level. And so I did this like assembly presentation thing for a class and I talked about like, you know, what it would be like to be forced to move, which is, you know, what a refugee is. And there was a boy who like had his hand raised like the whole time, like trying to talk to me. And um, I couldn't call on him because I didn't have enough time because I had like a three minute window or whatever. But so I finished the assembly and like, he's still like raising his hand. And like, as he's leaving, he just like shouts out to me, like, I know what it's like to have to move. And like, he was telling me that like, he had like been forced to leave his home and like to come here as a refugee. And like, you know, you just kind of never know who you're speaking to. And like, I, you know, talk to every group of kid as though they might relate to it. But I think that was a really powerful moment where I was like, okay, it, it did land with him, you know, so hopefully it did make a difference to that kid. Cause after yeah, that, yeah. I kind of turned around and said like, I'm glad you're here, you know? And I went and gave him like a high five and said like, you know, thanks for coming to Utah or whatever. And I think that was just a sweet moment. So little, little things like that is what I'll remember from my year. That's awesome. And like, I feel like kids, especially like when we say things, it's, so they're so they remember they remember those things you know the things that are important are like the things that made their yeah. day they're gonna remember that forever mm -hmm. you know so that little boy probably ran home and was like oh my gosh I got to talk to her and she was talking about the things that we did and you know I did yeah. that like if stuff happened to me and I was like oh my gosh I did that like yeah it was I definitely did exciting. that also in like elementary school even through like high school and nowadays too Heck, even now I watch TV and they're like, oh, San Diego. And I'm like, hey, I live there. <laughs> yeah. Um, last week was my spring break and I got to go to a presentation. Ashley Eckstein, the voice of Ahsoka Tano did for Women's History Month. And I forget what she was talking about, but she mentioned something that really resonated with me. And it was um, something about how Ahsoka was this hated character at the beginning and how as she grew up and how as us as the women in the audience because it was like all women in the audience it was the craziest thing to see as we kind of like took our stand and saw this strong female jedi this first you know lead character female jedi kind of take her own and become her own character how she became this huge character that like how excited was everyone when she came on Mandalorian, when Rosario Dawson was cast? Oh my gosh. If you oh had gosh, told her back awesome. in 2008, she said that she wouldn't have thought that at all. It was yeah. just an insane thing to think about. Yeah, it's, it's crazy how unwelcome people are to change, especially in fandom. You know, I feel like yeah. there've been a lot of things that like have changed or adapted over the years. Like I know, especially when like the newer Star Wars movies came out, a lot of people, not gonna lie, myself included, didn't really like them because they were, they weren't, they had nothing to do really with, you know, Luke and Leia and Padme and Anakin. Like they were like connected, but not really. Mm -hmm. Like you don't, you, you know, so I know that that was, a big thing and it's crazy to see how negative people are about things that they don't even know like you see a trailer for something and people are like oh it's gonna suck and yeah. you're like 
how do you even yeah. know? You've never, you don't even know, you don't, you've not seen it before. Right. And I feel so. like too, people are so especially critical of female characters, you know? Totally. Yes. And I, I, and it's like, part of it is Hollywood's fault. Cause I feel like, I mean, it's only in the last like five, 10 years that we've really opened the door to having like female leads in action movies. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. like, but like Wonder Woman like, was the first big one. Yeah, yeah. And then Captain Marvel, that was like a landmark moment. And then Black Widow, that was a landmark moment. You know, and I think people just have such a harsh microscope on it right now. Because I think directors are still trying to figure out like, you know, what stories to tell and how to tell them and stuff. But it's like hard when people are too critical. And I'm like, just enjoy it. You know, don't don't be too hard on it. Yeah. Yeah. Especially like the thing that was like the most frustrating, especially with like the Captain Marvel movie coming out. I mean... It's not one of my favorites just because story-wise, I, it didn't resonate with me. Mm-hmm. But that's just me. You know, with somebody else, it might have completely resonated for them. And that right. may have been like the movie that changed their life. And so I'm not going to hate on it because yeah. I know it might be different for somebody else. Not my favorite, but that's okay. Somebody else may love it. And great for you. But so many people were like, it's a trash movie, you know, and right. just totally wrote it off. Yeah, I think it's going to be so interesting when we get our next, like, Avengers movie, like, with a full assembled, like, with the new set of Avengers. And, like, whenever they boot Harry, whenever they reboot Harry Potter, that's going to, like, blow the lid off the internet, I feel like, with people's opinions. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Oh, I'm so nervous. I hope they don't. Harry Potter. I hope, hope they don't. I, I just hope that since HBO has it, I hope that we get a Game of Thrones esque, not the ending, but like the way that they had a season, you know, to tell each story. I yeah. think that, that I would be love. Cool. And I've talked to Gabby about this. Um, the founding, um, the founding of Hogwarts. I would love that story. Yes. Oh, that would be so good. HBO style, like Game of Thrones cool. style. The founders of Hogwarts. Yes. Hear me out. It starts at the very end of Narnia. <laughs> it goes into the founding sure. father, the founding founders of Hogwarts. Hear me out. Lord of the Rings. Then it goes to Narnia. Then space. Then <laughs> <laughs> yes, the Avengers. It ends. I was just gonna say. <laughs> yes. One <laughs> One giant connected universe. I'm here for it. Yes. Oh my gosh. The yeah. ultimate. <laughs> Oh man. Please, I hope like within our lifetime, like when like people who grew up with these fandoms are finally like making these movies, I hope they're like, okay, how can we connect all the dots? How can we connect them all together? <laughs> yeah. I feel like that's what Spider-Man No Way Home was. Yes. Yes. You no. Know? I felt that movie and some of the later Avengers. I would say like Avengers Endgame, love letter to the fans. And that's how I felt about um, the last Spider-Man movie. Like it was so clearly like a fanboy's like dream Spider-Man Absolutely. Movie, you know? Oh, totally. Yeah. Oh yeah. Peter Parker's my favorite Avenger. Um, and I loved that movie so much. Yeah. Love I think, it. I don't think I've ever cried at a Marvel movie like I did at that movie. <laughs> it was yeah. so good. Yeah. <laughs> So, moving on, I did notice that you have a beautiful Archive Sunday collage sitting behind you while we're talking. So, could you explain to us a little bit what what it is? What is Archive Sunday? 
Yes, so Archive Sunday, we are mainly known for one thing, which is we make collage walls of fantasy aesthetics. And my whole inspiration and dream for Archive Sunday was that you could have a piece of art that's pretty cheap, that you could stick up in your home, that you could use multiple times and move and, and change as it suits your mood, that represents your fandom and can help like bring a little bit of escapism into your apartment if it feels a little bit drab. Yeah. Because I've lived in a lot of like really crappy college apartments and stuff, and it just makes me feel better to have a little bit of magic behind me on the wall. So yeah. that's what we do is collage walls. Yeah, and yesterday I was telling Gabby right before you came on, I was like looking through because <laughs> I found out what dorm I'm, so I'm a resident assistant in the dorms. And um, I was looking at some of them and I really liked all the Avatar The Last Airbender ones. Again, that was my like 2020 quarantine show was watching it for the first time. And I really liked like the Light Academia ones and the Light Side of the Force one. It was just great. Okay, well, I'll tell you because we're besties. um, We're going to do a sale soon. So if you're thinking about buying I think in the next couple months, weeks, I don't know, but we're going to do like a, like a 50% off sale. It's coming up soon. So, cause we're about to go like when I'm finished with my year as Miss Utah in June, yeah. I'll finally be able to like get back into archive Sunday. Cause I haven't really been running the company yeah. for the last like year or so. And so I've when that happens, on your lives um, this week, um, in the comments, oh, really? yeah. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. So, so you got caught up. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But yeah, so when when that happens, we're gonna like kind of redo some collages. We have a bunch that we have on the back burner to release. Yeah. And so we've been trying to like shuffle out some. So anyway, a sale's coming up soon. That was okay. a long time. <laughs> Gotta keep those in mind. Cause I have like such a drab wall back here. Like literally it's just a quarter of nothing. And like I teach, or I'm learning to teach. I'm still in the process of teaching jazzercise, like the exercise class. And it's, <laughs> Yes. Oh my gosh. First of all, it is so fun. Second of all, this wall is terrible to stare at. I know it's like supposed to be like, oh, focus on the movement. You need to do a plain wall. And I'm like, Psh, that's boring. I want something fun. So <laughs> love it. Gotta find something cute. Just us with our podcast recording setup next year being Archive Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> Brought to you by Archive Sunday. Okay, moving. <laughs> yes. So what was your initial idea? Like, how did you come up with the idea of Archive Sunday initially? Well, I would say before anything else, Archive Sunday was a marketing company. Okay. Um, because my background is in social media marketing, and that's what I did throughout high school and college to kind of pay my bills. And I yeah. learned wedding photography and graphic design and stuff. But really, the inspiration to start Archive Sunday came from the fact that I could see that people were just flocking over to the TikTok platform, but it was kind of different from any other social media platform at the time and that there were not very many creators on TikTok making videos in 2020. Yeah. And, you know, so few like companies had jumped over to create accounts that there was this really easy to penetrate space where you could, you know, make content advertising your business and get that content seen very quickly. Yeah. And so the idea with Archive Sunday was, could I create something that's advertised specifically to fandom TikTok, 
where you know I make content talking about my fandom things, but then separately from that, we have this like collage wall behind me that's like art that they can go buy. Yeah. Um, and so that was kind of the original idea. And we were so, so lucky that we were one of the companies that kind of like hit that gold rush right in the beginning of, of TikTok. And it was a crazy like 100 day Cinderella story as a business. That's awesome. Yeah, I feel like I feel like you guys came in right at the right time because there are a lot of people who like joined on a little bit after like once they saw that other people were like getting that success and then they just kind of stayed flat. Like there may have been a little bit of rise over time, yeah. but it wasn't the same just because that's the nature of social media, right? If you hit it right at the right time, like you could just poof, fly. But yeah, social media is so fickle, right? Because yeah especially with like big companies, they don't want to jump on something until they know that it works. Mm -hmm. But then at that point, it's like, well, it already worked for, for that. And it's not to say that it may not work in the future, but yeah. mm -hmm. there's always that possibility that you never know. Mm -hmm. Well, and the other thing that I think is true for TikTok for me is um, I feel like what holds a lot of people back from being successful on TikTok is that it is so emotionally vulnerable to film yourself and put it on the internet. Like oh, that totally. is the degree of vulnerability that, that you don't get from a tweet or from, a, you know, even a picture that you can edit and filter and that kind of mm -hmm. stuff, right? Yeah. And then I also feel like with TikTok, since you can see so clearly if something is viral or if it has views, I feel like it can be really easy to like post something and then if it doesn't go viral or doesn't perform well, or even if you're like posting for six months and things don't go viral, to feel like embarrassed to continue posting. Yeah. And I feel like what I wish people understood is that I'm like, I feel like I was able to be successful with TikTok because during my early like phases of learning how to make TikToks when I was embarrassing myself, like there were just fewer people to see it, you know? Yeah, yeah. And it, I just kind of didn't care because it was early on in the app. And so I was just kind of like, and, and so stuff was flopping all the time. And I think that like what made my account successful was it was not an overnight thing. It was that like, I kept throwing stuff at the wall like every day for a year. And yeah. like, to be honest with you guys, there were lots of times that I was like, oh my gosh, am I going to lose it? Like, am I going to lose their attention or lose my audience, you know, all throughout. And, but you just have to keep showing up and be consistent because you can't let that fear of like, am I going to fail? Are people going to think I'm weird or whatever? You can't let that hold you back. Oh, totally. I mean, I think social media for the most part is like such like a, like a front that people are able to put up. Like you're able to be like, oh, this is my social media profile. Like, and you can post the best of yourself on social media, but with TikTok, yeah. it's like, videos and stuff so you can't just post like just the best parts you know sometimes you're gonna get like a funky angle or you're gonna get like something mm -hmm. that you don't particularly find appealing for yourself you know yeah and a lot of people are uncomfortable with that and so I'm like no just put yourself out there who cares be silly make a fool of yourself be embarrassed yeah. like yeah because it's not just angles it's like I think there's this feeling of, are people going to think I am weird? You yeah. Because, yeah. you know, I'll watch back my videos all the time and I'm like, how do I come across? Do I come across mean? Do I come across rude? Do I seem stuck up? Do I seem cringy? Like, what am yeah. I? 
and we get so in our heads about like how are people perceiving me that like you know you don't even want to like show it to the world i feel yeah. like like it can be so so vulnerable yeah yeah i've definitely had I mean, that happen i do a lot of cosplay videos like that's my whole account is like all my cosplay stuff and there was a video I had in my drafts forever that I was like almost going to delete because I thought it was going to do terribly. And then I was like, you know what? I'm just going to post it. If it does terribly, whatever. And it ended up getting like a lot of views in like one hour. Um, it was when I first introduced, I'm starting Morgan Stark because Gabby got me um, the um, Spider-Man No Way Home or like the Spider-Man, um, his school sweatshirt. So mm -hmm. I was like, I'm just going to put this together. We'll see. And that video like, did pretty okay for my channel. And I was like, eh, maybe I should reshoot it. It kind of looks crappy, whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's crazy. It's like, we are our own worst critics yeah. when most of the time, like, it doesn't matter. And like, I am, I'm such a hypocrite right now because I'm so <laughs> bad at this. Oh, like, me too. Oh, I am too. The worst. I constantly feel like I'm so annoying. And I have to be like, Sasha, people want to see you post. Like there's someone out there who wants to see, cause I feel like I'm just bugging people. And like, even like with Nova House of Black, I'm like, is this annoying? Like here's some oh, more, you it's, know? And I'm sure more. people are like, give us more in the comments. And you're like, are you sure? <laughs> like, ah. You know, cause it's, and, and I think that there's this idea. I talked to a group of like local Miss America girls about this a while ago that I'm like, if you're ever wondering like, wow, if I had a million followers, does that like fix the insecurity on social media? No, it doesn't. Absolutely not. You know, like I'm so lucky that I, you know, I get to be an influencer or like a, a content creator, but like that did not necessarily make it so that now I wake up every day and I'm like, yeah, like I'm not worried what other people think. I totally worry about what other people think. Yeah, I feel like having that many people, like that many eyes is like yeah. like almost intimidating. Oh my gosh, I hate it. I'm like, I don't want to be perceived. I'm like, stop looking at me. I'm just trying to enjoy Harry Potter. Because it, it totally was like accidental that my TikTok channel became a thing. And like, I would not trade it. I'm so grateful. But yeah. I did not start posting Kylo Ren thirst trap videos thinking that this was going to be my career, you know? Yeah. Not at all. And, and I didn't think that this was what I was going to gain notoriety for. Totally not. I thought I was going to gain notoriety for like pageantry or politics or, you know, I never would have thought fandom because I had been hiding it for so many years. You know, I didn't think that people liked that about yeah. me, you know? So it's weird. Totally. I definitely found you because of Noble House of Black in the beginning days. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Noble House of Black was a total accident. Like that literally happened by accident, which is just crazy. Yeah. Okay. I feel like this is like a really good segue into our Noble House of Black section, but like we're not finished with this other one. So I'm like, maybe we'll just come back to it. I don't know. <laughs> but I feel like this is such like a good time to talk about it because like we're just there. But um, yeah. what inspired you to like, so, okay, since you said it was an accident, how did it start then? <laughs> so, it originally was just supposed to be a cosplay. That was that was the idea, was the three of us, me, Karina, and Summer are gonna get together and cosplay, like for a day. Mm -hmm. And um, because the three of us have all worked at Disney, pretty um, Summer and Karina more extensively, I just did it in 2016. And mm -hmm. we've all like done theater, but we've never done anything together. 
And so it was just kind of this fun thing when Summer and Karina had breaks from their Disney contracts because of quarantine and yeah. we were home and it was TikTok. So anyway, the the first three videos, one of them was like a shot for shot remake of a different TikTok that was posted by a girl. I think her account is called Not Stay. And, and guys, I'm gonna be honest, she blocked me, which made me so sad because I, like when we saw her video, it's a Bellatrix and um, Narcissa getting dressed to the song Back to Black, which is the song that we used. And we totally made like a remake. It was like a getting dressed cosplay, you know? Yeah. Which a totally a style of video that you do is like putting on your yeah. clothes and your cosplay. And it was totally inspired by her. I like tagged her and everything. And she was so, she didn't like it. She blocked me. So, so that was, sadly, that was the original inspiration. That was the first episode. And we were like, okay, sorry. Like, cause we didn't think it was going to go viral. And at the time she was a big creator and I was not a big creator. Yeah. And then like months later, people were like, oh, you stole it from a small creator. I'm like, no, no, no. Like I was a small creator. Like I didn't know what I was doing when we first like made our first video. So anyway. Yeah. That was the first one. And then we filmed two other videos that day, literally like an hour and just blitzed through them, shot them so fast, put them on the internet. And then they just like, like a bomb went off. And I think it was like 15 million views or 20 million views that week, like on our channel across different stuff. And um, so then we started like adding to like the plot, like little bit by little bit. And yeah. No Blacks to Black, if you watch it all the way through on YouTube, it, it kind of doesn't make sense. It kind of jumps around because it was never supposed to be one through line of a plot because yeah. it, we started with thinking, oh, we're going to do three. Now we're going to do five. Now we're going to do 10. And now I'm like looking at our computer and we have like 40 unreleased episodes that are like filmed. Whoa. Like, wow. like, we, like it just became this huge thing, um, but totally by accident. And and it, part of why it snowballed was that we started writing it. And as we got into the writing, we just would think like, oh, wait, we have this friend who would be so good as Sirius. Or, oh, we have this friend that would be so good as Molly Weasley. And so we started adding in yeah. characters one by one. <laughs> I loved those videos with her, by the way, especially the yeah. one with the, with the, like, oh my gosh, it's like the trap version of the Molly Weasley, like <laughs> screaming. That one <laughs> just... I, first of all, that audio was like amazing. <laughs> Whoever thought of that is a genius. Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> someone commented like, "This is the most cursed video on the internet." I was like, yeah. <laughs> "Pretty <laughs> much." No, but yeah. I love it. It's so good. And that's like it. Like, kind of created this whole genre of like people putting like movie quotes over like trap songs. <laughs> yeah. And so I'm like. <laughs> I'm here for it. I'm ready. Give me the, give me the memes. I'm ready for the memes. I love it. Yeah. Um, so what drew you to the Marauders era and the House of Black Sisters specifically? The, honestly, the House of Black Sisters, it was just such a no brainer. Like the second I saw that video of Bellatrix and Narcissa, Karina was living with me at the time, like next door. And I had just gone blonde and I was kind of in my Slytherin phase. And so I'm like looking at myself blonde and Karina has naturally dark curly hair. Oh, sorry, I just exposed her. Anyway, when she was younger, Karina had dark curly hair. And um, so it was like, duh, Bellatrix, Narcissa, and then Summer is Andromeda. So it was just like so clear. Okay. And then as soon as I like had that idea, I was like, 
like kind of the the foundational point for the plot was like okay bellatrix is like the right hand like protege of tom riddle what if we set up andromeda to be the right hand protege of dumbledore and then we set them up as like these opposing like players anyway so like i was just so fascinated by that dynamic and that tension between andromeda and bellatrix and just loved getting into it in the writing yeah and it's like i love watching it because it looks like you guys are genuinely having like a good time while you're doing it like it doesn't look forced it really is so fun like what what i like about noble house of black is that it is not perfect like by any means it's not trying to be perfect it's not trying to be professional like yeah we're just playing we're having fun it's you know it's like actors and friends and stuff but i think since we don't take it too seriously it kind of has this goofy charm that almost feels like like a small town community theater production a little bit like I don't know if you guys have seen Little Women, but I sometimes feel yeah. like the sisters in Little Women, like putting on a play oh, for that. all conquered. Like that's what it feels like yeah. for us producing it. So hopefully that's like the energy that, that people yeah. get it with. That's definitely oh, the energy oh. I'm getting from it. Like the Little totally. Women, that was the perfect um, imagery. And I just love Little Women. I, uh, we <laughs> all love Little Women. Karina and Summer have played in Little Women together and I've seen them in that show many times. And so it like, I feel like our, like Noble House of Black has so many musical theater references. Yeah. And it feels like this culmination of like all these theater shows like blended together. <laughs> There's Which some like, Heathers in there and some yep. Secret Garden and mm-hmm. you know. My little theater kid heart is like, yes, yes. <laughs> That's amazing. Love that. It has some yeah. wicked energy too. Like if you guys are wicked yeah. fans, oh, like yeah. there's a lot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so. I think we already talked about the next one a little bit of like what drew you to Narcissa, but is there anything else like specifically about her that you were like, yes? Mm. Well, I like Narcissa because she is, to me, she's like a female Zuko, like like a flawed, not quite a hero, not quite a villain because she does something very heroic. You know, she actually does several things that are quite heroic if you like really look at the subtext. But also, she's on the wrong side of the war. She's married to this wrong dude. However, like, I think for me, what really made me resonate with Narcissa is um, I grew up in a very religious family, a very religious community. And leaving that religion is like a really traumatic, difficult thing for a lot of people, you know, and I've had people in my life leave the religion and go through that experience and process that and then i also know plenty of young women who married into the religion very early in their life and then like later in life regretted it you know and you know obviously religion is not the same thing as like pure blood wizards but i think when i framed narcissa's life in that context and thought about her getting married as a very young woman and then later in her life you know being in the midst of the second war And I think about myself and trying to have, you know, because I called off an engagement when I was in my early 20s. You know, so I I think I just have a lot of compassion for her. And when I look at Narcissa, I see a woman who made some mistakes very early in her life. And it's, I think I have compassion for people that that make those mistakes if they don't have, you know, much of a worldview that influences them in a different direction. 
I feel like that's very well I've said. I've never thought like, of her as a female Zuko. And, like, now that you said that, yeah. I really liked Zuko and his whole arc. Yeah, I mean, I don't think she's anywhere as good as Zuko, but just oh. in the sense that, like, she's flawed. Because Zuko is my king. Love that man. <laughs> but yeah. also, I feel like I feel like we were so robbed, like, in the movies, like, of her development. Yes. Like, you don't really get who she is, like, the full scope of who she is and what she does. Yeah. Which is why, I'm not sorry, I'm like, like, but which is why I've been like obsessed with writing about her. Cause like yeah. she, she is just so cool and so interesting to me. And like, I've genuinely become like obsessed with Narcissa and the Novalsa Black. And like, I've been working on a fan fiction version of like the series and stuff, but mm -hmm. it's going to be like hundreds of thousands of words long. It's going to take me like years probably, but yeah. like, I feel like I just live like rent free in Noble House of Black in my mind all the time. Yeah. So it's very yes. fun to talk to you guys about it, like other humans that get it. <laughs> oh, no, no, I totally get like just being so totally focused on it because I'm a part of this like, Marvel server thing. Emma's in it too, but she's not as active as I. She's not even, she hasn't made her OC yet. <laughs> yeah. The thing is, <laughs> she's, we're still I was waiting. added to another RP server like right after like right when i like got free yeah. time to start working on my character for the marvel server and mm -hmm. it's hilarious because it's a dc comic server that's now taking yeah. up my life so she was stolen from us by dc so like <laughs> no but it's fine um but no i get it because i my character is may parker and i've just been so like in her brain and like i get to make up like bits and pieces of her story that we never really see you know or like that you may see in the comics but like you don't really see in the films and like especially in the new films I'm like where is she we need more anime I love her <laughs> she's like one of my faves but no I totally get what you mean about like being just like in that headspace of another person it's almost like kind of like an escapist thing you know yeah. and it's like when I'm like okay work is too overwhelming like I don't want to deal with school I just like want to veg and like be somebody else at least for me I'm like I know that I can always like go and like look up more stuff and like work on more things for her yeah mm -hmm. that's been so. me with the character so my character is Robin uh, or the original Robin Richard Grayson but it's a female version because I'm a woman and I've been watching all of the media with that character in it just to get more information. And I've really thought, because he leaves being a sidekick and becomes his own hero and his own person. And I've been like really into that era because we don't get anything about him. He's just like, we get him being like, I don't want to be with Batman anymore. And then him like five years later after becoming a hero. So I've been really developing who he was you know in that journey from like oh i don't have this hero to call on and this backup like and kind of learning who he is and how to be you know how he grew to be this hero that we all know mm -hmm. later on yeah. i feel like that's like very i kind of i really love that you've like made that character like Oh, a woman because it's like I feel like a lot of women have to go through that like yeah who really am I because for so long we determine well at least I can't speak for everybody but a lot of people determine themselves based off of their surroundings right yeah. and like 
what you're surrounded by. Like if it's nerd culture, it's like, oh yeah. At least I like I like that the fandom culture at least is very welcoming, at least in I think in my experience it's been like everybody that I've met has always been so kind and nice and that's great. And I know a lot of people haven't had that experience, but um where was I going yeah. with this? Oh, just like being able to like learn who you are and like find your own person and like yeah be your own person based not based off other people especially like in high school right when your peers are who you base yourself off of yeah you see in middle school was when I was really bullied for being a nerd um specifically Starkid which we just talked about Starkid last week um it's the episode that came out today for when we're recording it and I remember a time where I was like talking about it with one of my friends about this Harry Potter musical that I loved and I got made fun of both for liking Harry Potter and two for liking this weird nerdy like college group that made this Harry Potter musical. And I thought about it like right before we went to go record that episode. And I was like, I am what my middle school self needed at that time. Mm-hmm. Now. Oh yeah. Oh, I, I feel like if I could retweet that, like retweet that, repost it in capital letters. Like yeah. I feel like my whole channel is dedicated to being the role model that I needed in middle school when yeah. I was a pretty girl, you know? Mm-hmm. Totally. And, and that's one of the great things about being on TikTok, which is like, there's something for everybody. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what made you choose to do a almost si- like silent film style with the no spoken dialogue, just like the captions with the music playing for mm. the Noble House of Black series? We did it that way because that was optimized for TikTok. That was kind of the style. But then the reason that we kept it that way is that kind of like I said, what makes House of Black possible is that we don't take it too seriously. Yeah. And like, it was interesting because if you notice on YouTube, about four or five episodes in, it switches to DSLR camera. It switches from iPhone to camera and it goes from vertical to horizontal. And you can see that we experimented with cameras for a couple of episodes. And we figured out that it slowed us down so much more to have a camera and to do audio that we couldn't crank out episodes as fast. And for me, it it was less important to like create a perfect video and it was more important to tell the story. And so I realized that the project was actually a lot better when we took more like shortcuts, like quote unquote, where we like didn't try so hard, where we didn't do voices, you know, cause like um, about 70% of our actors don't even do accents, like when we film it. And most of the time we don't memorize our lines and a lot of the time we shoot it line by line and a lot of the time it's improvised or like happening as it goes and so um if we did try to like add audio on top of it it would be such a nightmare trying to figure it out without like a script or any kind of consistency so my dream is in the future to get to do more like projects with um words but for noble house of black the silent film has really let it spread farther and get bigger than i think it would have if it was a regular film Mm -hmm. I think that's part of the appeal too is that like yeah when I saw it I was like oh dang this is cool like oh there's music oh wait it's oh okay like it's something interesting it's not like what things not things that you see in media now like everything has to be like super perfect and polished and like Mm -hmm. and that's it like you said it's 
you made it that way based on its imperfections and you like the imperfections, you know? And I, you I actually have a whole theory about this. Okay, you guys know how there's that scientific theory that if you look at someone's face and it's almost a perfect human face, that it freaks you out. Like, yes. you can't see the robot. We've talked okay. about this with Express. Yes. Okay. Yes. I feel like fan fiction is exactly like that where if yeah. it feels a little bit too bad to be professional i can't watch it so like for me when i go on youtube to watch other fan films if i'm honest i have a hard time watching them because they're not quite good enough to be professional quality but i feel like with house of black for some reason because it's kind of crappy and it's not trying to be a movie I almost feel like it makes it more watchable because it's like less cringy because we're not trying to be something that we're not. Yeah. That makes yeah. sense. That yeah. might not make any sense at all, but that's my theory. <laughs> no, I totally get it. It's like, you know, this thing is like meant to have imperfections rather than you're trying to make something perfect yeah. despite its imperfections. Yeah. Like it's embracing them versus rejecting them. Yeah. 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 I got it. <laughs> Made sense. Which I Hopefully feel like it's such a like life lesson for me that like I need to embrace. Like you don't always have to be perfect. And I feel like even with my TikTok channel, I've learned if my videos are too polished or too perfect, they don't perform as well as if they're slightly flawed and like slightly. I've noticed that too. Mm hmm. Yeah. I mean, you guys both have like way more followers than me. And so like for me, it's just for fun. For me, honestly, I'm yeah. like, I'm just gonna post this stuff because it makes me happy that's and how because I'm being creative, you know? And that's how it is with me. Yes. Yeah. Good. Honestly, that's how it is with me. There, There's a lot more stress involved with it, but I try to spiritually ruin myself and I'm trying to have yeah. fun. But. Well, and Gabby, I had met you after my hurdle to a thousand just so I could go on live for the first time. I got that in January <laughs> that. in 2021. Yes. So like, I was the only one. We all like became friends because of the Clone Wars TikTok musical, it, which was like all these people. It was right around the time where Ratatouille, the musical, and um, Bridgerton was Bridgerton. all big. Um, and we were one of our friends, Alex. He made or no, it was Liv first, and then our friend Alex. They made songs based on Star Wars: The Clone Wars. Mm -hmm. <gasps> Love it. And that's yeah. how we met. Mm -hmm. And then we started making um, a fan series called mm -hmm. enigma that's kind of been imperfections and us just role-playing and having fun at least in the early stages of mm -hmm. it just us. i think yeah. i think part of our problem with it actually and like the reason it kind of crashed and burned not that yeah. it crashed and burned just that like we've never done anything with it because i think we were trying too hard to be professional you know i agree like i'm like it was too much we should just have fun with it i agree and so yeah anyway but that's how that's how we met and also that's where we became best friends too because i was like hmm what if what if our characters got together and you were like yes <laughs> so yeah. she's my in my phone she's space wife in my phone <laughs> okay. that's amazing yeah all the time my mom's like your space wife is calling you or texting you or something i'm like yes i know <laughs> yeah my boyfriend is like that yeah great okay well i feel like 
we've had such a nice conversation. I'm like, I don't want it to end, but like, I'm out of questions. Yeah. I don't know. Do you have any questions for us? Um, I'm trying to think. Actually, I have a good question for you because I think about this all the time. What what content do you guys like watching online? Like, what what do what do you follow someone for? Because I feel like all the time I'm like, why? Do, what do people want to see? And so I'm just curious. You guys are fans of like fandom culture. Yeah. What type of stuff do you like to see online? That's a really tough question. Because honestly, I'm just like 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 I just scroll through and I'm like, oh, like like like. Yeah. Because I'm like, even if I see a video that I don't particularly like, if it just doesn't have a lot of likes, I want to like it just to be nice. <laughs> like just to be like, oh, let me help you. Here you go. Because yeah. <laughs> you know, the algorithm is like such a fickle like thing Same. that so many people are trying to figure out. And I'm like, here, let me help you. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> if you I ever life. see someone who like is sad, I'll go comment on their thing and then go to their page and like, like all their stuff. Like if yeah. I see yeah. Like it's like if it's like three likes on a sad video, I'm like I need to help this person. I don't know if you guys do yeah. that. Yeah. No, I totally do. Oh, I do. Or like, like I saw this video the other day of this guy who was like talking about how his girlfriend, who like promised he'd be she'd be there with him forever, like cheated on him, and I was like, oh my gosh! And there was like 30 likes, and I was like, okay, like comment, like all the comments were like you deserve better, King. Like it was like all these super sweet <laughs> comments. But I was like, oh my gosh, like yeah. I gotta, I gotta give the love. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So oh. I do notice that a lot of accounts that I will like, like and follow do a lot of skit videos, kind of like the Noble House of Black or even, um, there's this creator, her name is female Peter Parker and she makes these skits. She started back, I think in 2020, 2021, just making skits about what if the Avengers went to Disney World? yes oh that's cute yeah. those are so good and she like is still doing them to this day like she has like she's been like i think she's on like episode 186 of like them at disney world and they're starting to get like kind of meta being like we've been at disney world for a very long time haven't we <laughs> i love it yeah that's um amazing. i think for me it's a lot of i actually am on Okay, so I like crochet and I sew and I do all that stuff. Uh, um, and so for me, I find myself a lot, a lot of my like for you page is um, people like sewing their cosplays and like the process of making their cos cosplays. And then like a few weeks later, I'll be scrolling and then I'll see the next part. And I'm like, yes, like <laughs> keep going. So I like seeing the process of that. But like as far as fandom culture goes, I like, I really like the videos where it's like just one person like super simple like doing the cosplays and like doing little scenes like kind of like the videos I do where it's just like oh yeah. just me doing like a little few little things and you know lip syncing to a audio or something just because for me I'm like well that's like what I do and I want to support the people that I do that like yeah. you do what I do you know yeah and then I like go and do at them and it's that's that's fun for me so but then I also, I, I'm just all over the place. I just like, I'm too ADHD to function sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> same, same girl. <laughs> it's like too much. I'm like, <sighs> like a million different directions. Yes. Yeah. Like all of, you know how like TikTok will be like, oh, someone sent you a message. All of them are from Gabby. I don't get yeah. them from anyone else in my life at this point. Just it's me. Just Gabby. And, and it's, it's like. Some Sean, my boyfriend. 
but it's normally just Gabby. And it's like three different like types of videos. Usually it's like one of them is like, sis, I love you. Keep going. The next one is like, oh, look at this cool cosplay. And another one's like, oh, Disney, here you go. <laughs> Anything with the Epcot ball. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Because again, I grew up in the central Florida area, so we're right. on opposite coasts. Yeah. So oh, wow. oh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's, it makes doing stuff difficult, but we're meeting in Nashville in June. So yeah. that'll be fun. Debbie's oh, birthday is um, June 18th. So we're all going to Nashville together. Mm-hmm. That's our first time meeting in person. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that'll be so cool. So yeah. Exciting. We're really stoked. It's going to be fun. Yeah. Cause well, we met in 2021 in like March or April, mm-hmm. like right. Super early. Like during you know, pandemic times still. And then I went back to school. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I haven't had, we haven't had time to meet each other in person. Ever. I know. Mm-hmm. Until the summer. I'm like, okay, June, 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 let's go. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm thankful that they let me get the time off work. So that'll be <laughs> great. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, is there anything that you would like, what, like, what would you like to plug your handles, your like links? You can send me the links. I'll put them in the description. Oh, I would say, um, my handles is at Sasha E Sloan on TikTok and on Instagram. And then my website where you can shop all my decor is Sasha or archivesunday.com is where you can get the collage walls. So very nice. Well, it has been such a pleasure talking to you, and we are so thankful that you decided to come on our little show that you agreed. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, of course. Could I? Could I take a picture with you guys yeah. before? Okay, I'm thinking. Yeah. I'm thinking I'm maybe gonna like set my phone and then like lift my laptop so we're all like on the laptop screen together. Okay. Okay. That's okay. I'm gonna try this. We'll see if it works. I saw Miss Massachusetts do this and I thought it was a cute idea. So <laughs> keep up with Miss Massachusetts, guys. Okay. She oh, truly is the queen. Okay. All right. We're going to turn this around. Got it. <laughs> cool. Guys. And then I'm, I'm going to do one like this. Is that cool? Okay. Too? Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, guys. <laughs> no, no. Problem. We were going to ask the same thing too. So. Yeah. Oh, perfect. Okay. Good, good, good. Okay, got it. Thank you guys so much. <laughs> of course. Okay, let's see. How do you want to do this? Um, which, what do you want to do? You're better at this than I am. I am not. I'm the grandma. <laughs> yes, you are. The only thing I can do from for our podcast Instagram is post like memes. I've done that twice. <laughs> post memes. And then I did that thing on Canva with the this or that. And I was so proud of myself because I did it all on Canva. And I was like... <sighs> It's like, oh my gosh, you ended us kind of all good. into Family Feud, which was probably the most amazing thing. Or no, it literally, was a dating game. Literally, I just used like, like Photoshop on my phone. Like, it was so yeah. like face auto selector, just like think it was. I didn't do anything. Yeah. Alrighty. <laughs> cool. <laughs> Thank you guys so so much. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Fan Fatales. We are a proud part of the Real Fans Podcast Network. That's right. And there's a huge variety of shows to listen to, like Real Fans for Real Movies, Holy Backcast, Disorder, Please Rewind, and many, many more. Join us next week where we will be talking about some powerful women in Marvel. Remember to subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. 
We are on Apple, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, and subscribe to us on YouTube. Please leave us a review and comment down below to tell us what you thought of the show. And remember to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Pod for the latest updates and to possibly be featured in a future episode. Now, Emma, where can the people find you on social media? So my Instagram and TikTok are both at SnippyEmma, which is S-N-I-P-P-Y-E-M-M-A. What about you, Gabs? I'm at Gabby Gent on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter. That's G-A-B-Y-J-E-N-T. Our music is by our, our amazing friend, Maddie Macon. And our editing is by the wonderful Kara Lensmeyer. As always, thanks for tuning in. Bye! Bye! The views expressed in this episode do not reflect the brand or company they're about. Mm-hmm.